And yeah. the nice thing is that we normally just randomly change things and they try kind of work. So there, there's cool. like half, half of the groomer work, it's guessing, I think. And okay. that, that's, that's the nice part. Luck, luck, luck actually plays a really big deal. So the eye for detail helps, but then you pretty much random see. You're listening to Art Heroes Podcast, the show to help you thrive as a digital artist. Tune in to learn how to transform your passion into a career. Get inspired by other kick-ass 2D and 3D artists and find out what it takes to be an art hero. Hello, hello, guys and girls. This is Maria JD, and this is the first episode of Art Heroes podcast right after their summer break. I hope you had a great time, and uh, I'm here to introduce Jesus Fernandez, who's our first guest this fall. Jesus is a professional grooming artist, and you could have seen his tutorials on uh, YouTube or on Gumroad or on Patreon if you're uh, into grooming. And if not, you definitely should check this out. Jesus is doing an amazing job. And today we're talking to him about uh, grooming artist careers, about how much you should be making as a grooming artist. And uh, just in general, what are the hardships and uh, what is it like to be a grooming artist? And uh, enough of me here. Well, welcome to Jesus. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming to the Art Heroes podcast. I can already imagine that it's going to be a pretty fun episode. And uh, although it took us long weeks and months to schedule that, I'm super happy to have you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. We managed to do it. Yes, exactly. So, um, and I'm also quite happy that I caught you. Meanwhile, you are still in Europe. Um, and probably we're going to talk a little bit more about that, about you, like you changing countries and uh, different like aspects of, a, of your career. So could you, maybe we could start with you. Um, just brief me quickly. Uh, how do you define yourself as an artist and what do you do? Um, yeah, maybe we can start with that. How easy is to say quickly and define you as an artist? As an artist. <laughs> it's okay, not supposed uh, to be in the same sentence, I know. <laughs> so if, if, if we go by the word, I'm a grooming artist. So technically people pay me to make fur and hair and feathers of, of CG characters. Exactly. Uh, That's how I know you. I know that you're the, also the author of some of the best grooming tutorials out there. That's how everybody talks about you. Well, in case you didn't know. I, I, I think I do a lot of tutorials. I wouldn't say the best. Okay, I'm fine. And the most, I'm, I'm the noisiest. That's for sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, maybe at least one of these tutorials is good. <laughs> I bet it has to be at least one, please. Okay, amazing. So we'll give a link in the show notes uh, to some of your tutorials. And if you're nice enough, maybe you could also give our audience a little bit of a discount. Yeah, it could be. Well, it depends because my I, I run it by Patreon and it's quite oh, cool. stiff, and it's quite a stiff uh, platform. So I mm -hmm. cannot actually give discounts because I don't manage anything about payment and all the bills and everything is managed by the by the company. Well, so I just pretty much run the company. We have just promoted you for free. Don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Sorry. We're like jumping uh, all over. So um, let's go to the beginning. How did you start as a grooming artist? And like what brought you to this spin of uh, artistic career? Okay. That's, that's interesting. So if, if I go by experience, I have more experience as a look deaf artist than as a grooming artist. Uh, but because of the way that things worked, when I was, I was in Costa Rica and I was working for a casino company and what we did is a really odd job. Uh, we did casino machines, so slot machines, but we work on the icons and the interface and the, the concepts and the backgrounds and everything. So it was illustrations, 2D, 2D animations, 2D illustrations and 3D. 
so reading the concept development so you design everything of the machine the animations and it was 24 frames animations per icon and most of the animations were uh, models mimicking hair so i start researching a little bit about grooming and and the platforms that there were there but we didn't actually had a proper tool to do it so i had worked on on, on shave and haircut and different tools but it wasn't as simple or it wasn't as trendy at the moment and it was known to be one of the most difficult areas of cg uh, apart from likeness and full doubles. Uh, at that moment in time, hair was a black uh, hole. There was no information on the internet. I remember that at a, a point in time, Tarkam Serene was one of the ones that did a tutorial and it was launched, I think in the same month or the month after Gumroad was launched. And this was a 15 minute tutorial and it was all over the internet. So it didn't explode absolutely. <laughs> And, and this was before grooming was a public thing. It was like a hidden treasure of the studios. So I tried to give it a shot. And it kind of worked. Okay. I don't know how things line up. And I solved some of the issues that, that I had. I did the proper steps without knowing that I was doing it. So I managed to do a first artwork that was uh, a buffalo, a water okay. buffalo. And it was quite well received uh, by, the, by the internet people. But I stopped there for a while and jumping in time, four years later, I stopped doing personal work. I decided, okay, it's time to start doing personal work again and taking everything that I have learned from jobs and from work and from freelancing for a while. And I decided to make a small little creature. Uh, it was an image of my little kid. He had a small little toy, but it was a mouse. And it was something that you got on the paper. So the, okay. on the newspaper, they had like these small little toys that came with the issues. Mm -hmm. And he loved it and he slept with him every other night. I was just sick of it. He was looking, he's, he's not good looking. It's not a good looking toy, uh, but my little kid loved it. So I just decided to make an interpretation of it. And I was lucky enough to find some Russian artists. Uh, Russian has this amazing taste for art that is just out of this world. And they make these plushies with, yeah. with felt and, and kind of needles it's, it's a really odd half creepy not that creepy kind of felting work and they have like these super cute shapes and this creepy look so i kind of tried to mix both and the result of that was timothy timothy was a small little mouse that i did on an autumn uh, image and when i posed that everything exploded uh, it, it took me like a month to work on the image and I put it on and I was, I remember I was going to a Christmas dinner with my family, a New Year's dinner with my family. And I put it before taking it into a car. When I arrived into, into my parents' house, I had like 1,000 notifications on the phone. Oh my gosh. And I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> and that thing exploded. I have no clue why. It just went off. It went everywhere and everyone just liked it. It just was appealing for some type of people. And it was fur. And okay. it was kind of how I started doing the tutorials and everything. And people just reacted really well. That's like a short story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about technology. Since you started um, working with fur and to this point, how has it changed? And uh, are you trying new tools and how frequently are you actually changing your pipelines? So, uh, has it changed? The answer will be yes and no. Uh, the core tool for most groomers that are starting is action. Yeah. And the version that we have for action, uh, was done in 2016 by Disney. Autodesk bought the license and is exactly the same tool. 
you can see code of 2014, I think, on the same tool, and Autodesk did an implementation of the tool. There has been some improvements, but even the tool wasn't fully implemented. The one that Disney has has more features, has other tools, has a different implementation. So by the word in action as a whole, after 2018, that was the big bug fixing issue, it's exactly the same. It's probably a little bit more stable in 2018 it's unstable in 2019 and it's stable again in 2020.2 because they broke it on 2020.1. Okay. Uh, so action wise, <laughs> action is like the black hole of, of grooming. Everyone love it. Everyone hate it. Most people says that it's really bad, but it's actually just a tool that was from a studio that is Disney that has a whole pipeline and a lot of tools to actually manage things. And then you actually took it out of these boxes put it somewhere else, just everything goes to hell. Uh, but then uh, Yeti took over. Yeti is one of the best tools for European studios. Uh, they couldn't sell in uh, the States. Now after this year, they can sell again. So it's taking over States too. On a small studios to big, stu to small to medium studios, it's the one that is taking most odd jobs. And last year, Houdini started. Yeah. Uh, Houdini has been growing a lot for the last four years. And last year, they did a big, 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 big change. And they are developing more their, their character creation and the creature creation, so CFX pad. And the grooming tools that they're doing, they, they're just awesome. Uh, at the moment, I think Houdini, in the next two years, probably is going to take over the whole market. Of, of grooming and it's already taken over most big studios advertising is already owned by Houdini and probably BFX it's also going to be owned by by Houdini grooming the only lack of it will be Digidouble that there are still several tools that they're missing for uh, the Digidouble workflow so long hair yeah uh, but creature wise it's it's unbelievable what you can do uh, is mostly the development of the pipeline and most studios find cheaper to depend on side effects and one or two developers than to actually have a custom tool on their studio to actually build up and maintain it. So to get back before I go on, on another branch, I normally try to test everything. I try to stay as updated as I can with the tools. And like a year and a half ago, I started learning Houdini. Uh, it proved that it was a really clever choice uh, because now that I'm in between jobs and just before in between jobs and the whole year probably from a year from now, I have been completely working in Houdini. 90% uh, wow. of the jobs, offers and freelances that I get are Houdini. So wow. That was pretty lucky for, for me. Wow. So um, do you think for uh, somebody who who's just starting as a grooming artist, uh, it makes sense even learning anything like X-Gen or you think Houdini is way to go? No, they, they must learn a uh, tool that they are used to. Okay. Uh, the good thing of grooming is it's the same as modeling. Uh, you can do it on any software. So you can take Maya and do sculpts and it will work. You can take Blender, it will work. The tool doesn't make the, the, the artist. So it's, it's just a basic tool. Uh, there's more information for Maya. There's more information for action. Uh, you will find a lot of tutorials. It was, it's not now as it was back in the days where there wasn't anything. You could find some CG society, dark, really, really dark forum threads. That just have some slight information of what you should do with action and how it works and uh, now you, you just put that on youtube and you have thousands of tutorials and hours and hours and hours of content uh, pipeline wise it's a really good tool because it it teaches you how to work on a pipeline because if something breaks it means that you're not doing things correctly 
Okay. Uh, so for big studios and most people that complains about action is just because they have a student workflows or they don't care about their pipeline. They don't care about being organized. And sadly, if you want to, to work as a professional, if you want to work freelance, if you want to be paid for what you do, you have to be organized. You have to name your things. You have to set your projects. You have to keep everything tidy and friendly for other people to take over. And most effective problems is because you do not. Yeah. Uh, so in my, in my opinion, action is a must. It helps you to understand the stress of everything breaking. That's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's our life. Everything breaks, everything crashes. Yeah. And then we just... Yeah, all, it's just all. like losing hours and days of work. Yeah, it's lovely. A lovely crash is always amazing. <laughs> uh, but... I think action is the easiest. So you have now the indie license for 250 pounds or 250 dollars plus tax for a year. So that's pretty much, I don't know, yeah. it will be 25 dollars per month yeah. per year. So that's pretty accessible. That, yeah. So yeah. it's nothing that you cannot do. It will be like one pint per week. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's, that's something so that that's, you know, that's very interesting when you said that the tool does not make an artist and I can't agree more because, you know, even if we look at the traditional art, uh, all the creators worked with so many tools and it's not because you know how to hold a brush. Um, really, it's not about that. So in case of grooming artists, what do you think makes a good one? The eye for detail. Okay. I think that the the key for a grooming artist is how good that person is and how fast and accurate they can interpret a detail that is abstract. One of the of the funniest things of grooming, and this is something that I'm, I'm quoting one CG supervisor from from MPC. Uh, we were working on a show, and he came over and it's like. You know, I, I actually haven't been working on CG for years and I have been working more with you guys, with the grooming department, and I kind of dig it and it looks cool. It looks like designing things again. It's not <laughs> just like taking a likeness and matching the, the body shape and everything. It's like grooming, it's, you basically have strands that are less than one millimeter. And with that, you have to design a shape and you have to design a silhouette. You have to give a filling. You have to make it mangy. You have to make it cute. You have to make it fluffy. You have to make it dangerous. So you basically work with an emotion. It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 so you get feedback and it's like, oh, but it doesn't look dangerous enough. It's like, okay. <laughs> so what does that mean? <laughs> so it's, it doesn't that look that cute it's like yeah, <laughs> kind of fluffy yeah yeah it has to be fluffier has to be at, fluffier and at the end so it, it's such an abstract concept that what you have to do is to interpret and to be able to analyze what the detail means what the feedback means what's the final goal and randomly try to guess and yeah. the nice thing is that we normally just randomly change things and they try to kind of work. So there, there's cool. like half, half of the groomer work, it's guessing, I think. And okay. that, that's, that's the nice part. Luck actually plays a really big deal. So the eye for detail helps, but then you pretty much random seeds. I know that's not true. I know for sure that's not true. But oh. I, I, like, I agree there could be some guessing. You, because... you will be surprised. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably already surprised. I'm probably already surprised. So, so technically, for, for example, if we have uh, most of us base, depending on how accurate it has to be, if we have a non that accurate reference and we have like basically a concept, we work on a procedural network. So if we change a seat, all the clumps and all the wave and the silhouette of the hair can change. So there's some of us 
and there's one specifically that has like this rule of seeds uh, that they go and we just change the seeds from time to time to see which one works better. Okay. So like half of that work is just a number that we just randomly change. And then we have a lucky seed. And then it wow. looks beautiful in one part and looks awful in the other part. The problem is when the client loves the bad part. Oh no. <laughs> it happens a lot. It happens like 90% of the time is just, oh, but I love that. Looks amazing. It's like, <laughs> oh God. And the problem is that it's a seed. So if we change it, the whole thing change. Okay. So it's locked. Right. Now I follow. Now I follow. So um, can you describe a typical project for a grooming artist? Because I guess now you mentioned that you freelance these days in between jobs. Um, so in case uh, somebody is not hired full time, but just like works on the one off uh, projects, what could that be like? Okay. There are uh, probably four major streams. Uh, mm -hmm. of grooming work. Uh, there are digitables, there are human features, be uh, short hair or long hair. Uh, the second one will be creature uh, that is a semi-fantastical environment with a concept artist. So you have a concept base and then you have to match or get as close as possible from a 2D interpretation with your 3D work. Those will be the seniorists. Uh, kind of workflow. Uh, then we have a realistic animal. Okay. That will be kind of meat. Uh, likeness is probably the more junior, unless it's a really, really hero likeness that will require like a more senior guy. But likeness, normally you have a full turntable and then you just have to match what you see. Okay. So just pretty much matching lines. Hair is just lines. So you match curves. And then you define clumps and you define the, the look of the hair. Mm -hmm. so most of the time, likeness in grooming uh, is one of the most junior roles. Okay, interesting. Uh, it's, it's really odd, but as we have... Yeah, that's a bit odd. I would imagine like, you know, human beings like being on the harder so, uh, yeah. edge. Yeah, so if we go for something like Rachel in... in uh, the NPC one, the one that won the Oscar, that Tony uh, was the one that did it. This is a super high-end digital that they match eyebrows and they match like literally a, every eyelash one by one. So this is like a really high-end senior job. But if we talk about an advertising project that you will have one week to make a digital or maybe two weeks to do a digital, you, you cannot match that much. So what you do is go by the feeling of it. So you try to match the closest that you can to the core. So you start with the blocking and you start with the big chunks and then you go down, 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 down as close as you can of getting the feeling of the hair. You don't match hair by hair. They will okay. be insane. It's too hard to do it and you will need, require a lot of time to focus on. So these, these kind of work is pretty much just following flows with curves. And okay. just defining the specific traits of, okay, if this is fluffier, if this is noisier, if it's a straight hair, if it's clumpy, if it's wet, if it's not wet, if it's curly. So it's different traits that can define. There are techniques that can make it slightly more complex. For example, if it has braids. Yeah. Braids, it's, it's a little bit more complex, but it's not because it's less junior. It's just because it requires a different workflow. Okay. So it depends of a model. It depends of a different type of things that is, is a different procedure. So mm -hmm. this can be a meat kind of work just because the meat already has that information. But if you give this information to a junior artist of help, a junior artist, it can do. Okay. Uh, in case of a concept, so if you have a concept art and you have to interpret what that 2D artist or godly concept artist did, or maybe not as good, or maybe the company decided to hire a concept artist and then just gave them one day to bash a concept. So you pretty much get a super loose line. Yeah. No details, 
you have an odd silhouette and the director says, oh, but I love how it looks. And it doesn't have anything. And it's just a black stroke. Like, yeah, what the hell does that mean? So to interpret that, that's where the eye for detail comes and all these other steps of interpretation to get to look for references and to try to engage on the concept, on, on, on the mentality, what's the behavior of the character and what, what's, how it should be, what's the environment. So it's oily, it's not oily, how to get these kind of looks to make it appealing and to fulfill what the concept was. So these processes, it's, it's a little bit, bit more of a senior process because okay. the amount of time that a junior artist can take to get into that and most of what happens is that they get into the blocking and they finish the blocking but then they just hit a wall oh yeah because all this information that you you have because of you're looking you did so many grooms you know that this is what they look this is what how it looks so this is environment so it kind of goes into the same path and just you arrange that in your head and try different things. So that's that's when it gets a little bit more senior. Mm -hmm. uh, and back to the first question about the, the, the work and how a normal freelance work looks. Right now, there are two types, like really core and grooming right now is booming a lot. Uh, mostly after COVID, a lot of studios had to let go people advertising is booming for, for web and after two years from now or three years from now uh, or three years before kind of fur got into mainstream okay in some way and, and advertising they all have creatures they all have animals probably part because of Ikea uh, advertising and some tourism advertising that they just got it into the Super Bowl and they just make it super trendy. Okay. So we have like these really nice fur jobs and they are basically animals or uh, cartoon creatures. Okay. So, those, so are, those two like animals are cartoon creatures. Those are the ones that at least for me, I have seen the most on the big money chunks. So advertising companies, uh, good projects, good companies, and uh, it's not like boring. You get one scan and you put hair on one scan and then you just get a turntable and you deliver <laughs> and you give it back. You get to So this not this kind of back and forth of just a photograph and you match the photograph, send it back. They clean the scan, they send you the scan, match the photograph back. So this process, it works, uh, but it's not that well paid. Okay. Unless it's a really good studio like Replica, for example. Uh, the one that actually Marlon, Marlon is working there. I work with them on, on one project. Uh, it's good money. It's good studio. It's a good uh, line of work too, and it's creative. So they kind of push the line a little bit more. But those works where you push the line as a double maker, they're not a big, uh, okay. but it's a necessity for, for junior or junior to meet artists to get known and to expand their, their field. Yeah. And the holy grail is feathers. Feathers. Okay. Those Gosh, who would guess. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like, does it mean that you really enjoy working with feathers or does it mean that you're having a hard time? Or is it only like well paid, but it's really not? <laughs> so probably feathers is the less known for yeah. a producer. So when they beat for feather work, they think it's a normal character. No, this thing is mayhem. This is like the worst bump that you can throw on, on, on a look of artist, on a texturing artist, or on a groomer. It's just the worst thing that you can do. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's probably the area that I have more expertise in grooming. Okay. But also it's probably the area that I hate the most. Of course. Love-hate uh, relationship. Yeah. It, it's, it's really fun. It's super hard. It's not easy. From any department, you have to be in communication. I think that's the hardest part. Whatever the modeling department does with the body affects the grooming department, affects the texturing department, and affects 
pretty much everything. Every change yeah. on every department will affect everyone else. And it's really hard. Uh, tools are not as developed yet to get uh, hyper-releasing. Okay. We don't have the resources yet on not even with the current tools to get proper fetters, like anatomical fetters and biological fetters. We cannot afford to have them. And not even on Big Studios. Okay. Because a fetter is basically a hair made of hairs that they are attached by hairs. Yeah. And this thing is extremely heavy. So yeah. a simulation with proper fetters, it's pretty much impossible as far as I know on any current technology. So what we do is to fake it. And when we try to fake it and match reality, is not as good. So we have to go through a lot, a lot of steps to try to get as close as possible. But even the, the, the directors, the C subs, the BFX subs, and, and the asset subs, we, we don't have normally a proper knowledge of how a feather works and how the shading works and how the shape works. So we pretty much, we just randomly guess that if it looks right or not. To me, uh, all of this sounds like a challenge, you know? Yeah, it is. And it sounds is. like uh, it definitely needs a lot more, um, I don't know, like sounds like a, one of the challenges 2020. If there are young groomer artists, they can definitely try to tackle that. Yeah. Yeah, feathers, if, if, if someone can jump into feathers and develop well in feathers, they will land a job. Okay. Like 100%. The problem is the demand is not as high because everyone knows that they are really hard. Uh, Yeti and Ornatrix probably are the two softwares that have the closest uh, achievements, but Houdini is changing things a lot, and a lot of the studios are doing their own feather systems in Houdini, and they're looking really good. So this year that is coming is going to be a big change for most grooming tools. And I hope we can see a big change also on the groom quality, but copy hit us really hard in groom uh, yeah. uh, pretty much all over the world. So probably the quality is going to stagnate for at least one or two years. Interesting. So do you think that um, like the job for an artist is different from the industry? Uh, I mean, would requirements to you as an artist would be different whether you're working for an advertising or uh, like for a production and then, yeah. And then how different? Uh, a lot. So if it's a small to meet studios, normally you don't you, you do more than one job. So okay. uh, if you model, you do texturing. Uh, if you do texturing, maybe you do look dev. If you groom, you do the texturing and probably the look dev or just the look dev. Mostly groomers, they ask if they can do CFX, so basic simulation. So as small to me, the studios, they try to get more uh, from one single artist. So you need at least two uh, areas of development. If you go to big studios, CFX wise or mm -hmm. BFX wise, you will find one single area. Okay. So uh, if you get a superhero character on a, on a BFX project, you can probably get up to a month or two months of budget just working on that thing and just nailing it. If you're on a super A plus, like superhero shot that has to be nailed one by one and it's a takeover from real action to CG, this is the, the nightmare of everyone. You can get up to three months if the budget allows it, three to four months just working on one single asset. Wow. Alien every day, repeating and repeating. If the budget is good, VFX can make you push the level really, really high. But in advertising, you don't have that. So in advertising, mostly you have a month. Mm -hmm. to make Grimm and Lugdev. And this is a high-level advertising job. You get a whole month of full pay uh, on a mid-to-big studio of advertising, really recognized. Uh, you will get a month, uh, probably 22 days with a hold of one week if something happens. 
and you have a month to make like all the changes of to make the scenes to render to make probably look the for texturing because you probably will be working on both at the same time and if it's a small to meet a studio you get one to two weeks right and normally for us groomers we are called on 911s because they try to do it in-house and it didn't work and everything is on fire and they have to deliver tomorrow and you have to jump in and everything is a mess. So that's <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is actually the case. I heard this story so many times. You're just, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a firefighter. You just get in and it's like, <laughs> Oh my God, that is hilarious. But this is so true, you know, like uh, whenever you speak to a grooming artist, you just like hear the stories. Oh, you just got it, like, just got a job. They couldn't handle it in the house. <laughs> Yeah, that, that happened. So it's, it's grooming is, is, is still a black hole for most small to meet the studios because it's just now that people are asking for advertising with fur. Everyone was a scare and, and BFX is high above the line, like three to four years further away from most studios. Uh, but small studios to bigger studios, they don't have a fur or a grooming pipeline. Yeah. So they, they, they just live by the project, they live by the day. And when you put a groom pipeline, it has to be really specific. We're talking about thousands of thousands of curves on a surface that has to follow. So it's, groom is not as simple and is really demanding on, on resources. And a lot of things can go wrong. Right. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. So you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that uh, um, you would always, like, the, the the medium, small to medium studios would always require artists to have like second uh, competency. Um, so what's yours? I mean, I know you can do everything, but uh, what's your second best? I'm, I'm not everything. I, I'm really, really lousy on rigging and CFX. I think I like are... how you admit that. Okay, fine. I'm really bad at it. I have tried, but it's so hard. They have, you have to be so clever to, to do rigging. It's crazy. No, I can't. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, so for me, we'll probably the easiest part will be look diff, and, and by that, then goes texturing. So kind of groom look diff are on the same field and at the same level on my skills, I think. And then it's texturing like a bridge between the two. Then goes modeling, but I've been trying uh, later that I'm, I'm freelancing a little bit more. So I've been trying to get a little bit less rusty. I'm still super rusty though. Uh, but yeah, it will be that. It will be grooming, look diff, and texturing like a branch. So um, to any like new artists, would you what would you recommend developing together with grooming skills if they want to go into grooming? So like what do you think is more useful, look dev or texturing? Uh, if if it's someone that is starting with grooming, I will say modeling. Okay. It sounds odd. Just just picture. It's mostly because when the the actual concept of grooming is the same as modeling. Because you work on shapes, you work on textures, you work on silhouette, you work on volumes. The only difference that you have is that grooming is done with a small little splines and modeling is done with actual surface. But if you get the proper lecture of how the surface are, where the, the concave areas are, how the flow is, what's, what's the actual detail, the actual shapes, how they, they relate to each other, what's the flow and the behavior and the forces that actually make something look natural, it will help you more to read what grooming is. Okay, okay. So it's just basically to... Uh, know the full process and uh, yeah and kind of being able to connect the dots in your head so that that will make you pretty much a, a high-end artist and it will give you a really good part at the end grooming is not a generalist area okay you can be a really good generalist and do a really good grooming that's that's absolutely possible but if you try to go just grooming, you do need a solid brace on, on at least modeling to be able to interpret things properly. You will need to have a proper knowledge in look dev 
to understand how the things that you do with your strands will affect that. If you want to make something fluffy, you need to affect the density and the width. If you want to make something a little bit stronger, like a gorilla, density is less, width is harder, so it makes it a little bit more robust. So things will affect uh, look too, depending on how you make your groom. Right. So it, it's, it's a balance, but to get the actual core, I think modeling will be the skill that is easier to adapt to and it will be the easier to transition into grooming. If it's to supersede grooming or to work along grooming, then probably loop diff will be one of the friendliest because you can throw procedural textures and with loop diff you can make them look good. Okay. Uh, okay. So probably that will be the easiest uh, to evolve the skill. Mm -hmm. But to actually achieve a good result and a good transition to the skill, modeling will be probably the one that gets the best result to it. Normally, modelers are amazing groomers. Like most models that I have seen that try groom, they're just fucking great. Marlon okay, wow. is an, an example of that. I hate him. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll let good. him know. <laughs> you, you cannot do be that good. That's unfair. <laughs> he doesn't think that he's good, but it's okay. <laughs> Um, so, you know, like since grooming is so hard, is it true that groomers are paid better than everybody else? Or it's just like what other people talk about <laughs> groomers and it's not necessarily true? I think it's not true. Okay. Uh, I know modelers that charge more than me. Okay. I know groomers that charge less than me that are better than me. I hmm. think charging is a different skill. Okay. How much you value your work and how good are you at selling your work and your work. So not just how you work, but how much you're worth. Oh, wow. And this is something that we as artists and most of us are geeks. Most of us just live on a computer uh, a lot of us has really, really big issues with social interactions and plenty of us have a lot of issues with one-on-one -on -one saying no or trying to sell. Let's call a freelancer that has two months with a, without a freelance and then an offer arrives and it's half your rate. And you know that by that amount of money, you're just going to pay your rent and probably eat, but there's no extra money. You will not pay the bills. This is just half of what you need, but you have been two months with a job. You already had your backup of three months. If you're a good freelancer and you know how to manage your money, you're one month more and you are out of money and you have an offer and it's half the money. Most people will say, yeah, let's take it. Okay. That company maybe could afford double of that. Or maybe that company is paying another artist the double or triple of what it's offering right now. Right. But just because the word is not there and most VFX companies and 3D media, and this is probably even above that, is is not even industry, is what the companies do is that they try to hide how much money people earn. So yeah. they can have the chip on their side and they can bargain and, and take it to yeah. the lower level. Yeah. So the amount of money that a groomer earns is probably the same as yeah. any other artist that can actually bargain. Wow. This is so interesting. Yeah, Seriously. That, this is, I think this is such a great insight and I can't agree with you more that artists definitely need to value themselves and know the price, but at the same time, it's hard. It's hard. Is I, I, I think it's not easy. It's mostly also for people that are from third developed countries or, or underdeveloped countries like me. Uh, I was expensive for Costa Rica when I was freelancing there. When I arrived here, I was super cheap. Here, meaning London. Yeah. But I was freelancing for international companies. 
Okay. So I was working for Australia, I was working for London, I was working for the States, I was working for Canada from Costa Rica. And for Costa Rica, they couldn't hire me because the companies in Costa Rica were like, yeah, but you're too expensive. So the only reason why the company in Costa Rica will hire me was because they were on absolute fire. And I had to jump in. I was like, okay, let's do this, 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 let's fix this. And let's just try to make it render. And it's just like, yeah, three nights, two nights without just sleeping, just to make the thing render and it's off. So like two, three days jobs and just join in, fixing something that was super broken and just going out. That was the only reason why a Costa Rican company could afford me. Wow. Because they were desperate. So why you were more expensive than everybody else? Because How did you manage to keep the rate back when you were still in Costa Rica? Because I'm sure that many people that are now in Costa Rica or in comparable economies could relate and learn something from that. Because I never lower my prices. Okay. And how did you even raise them in the first instance? Who did you so benchmark I, with? I, I paid my own uni. Uh, I have been working since, uh, at least on 3D or, or art related stuff since I'm um, 17, 18. I paid my uni making flash banners, okay. advertising logos and 3D logos. And I, I paid the uni trying to do whatever I could. Uh, my family is not as wealthy and we couldn't afford and the only university in costa rica that had 3d animation it's really expensive for costa rica so i jumped in uh, the first quartermaster i had three of the six classes because it was the only thing that i could afford that first for me for a month was paid by my brother he paid him for all of them i got the basic skills of everything that was like flash <laughs> um, Adobe package and I went into Elance that was the one that was before Upwork yeah yeah I think it still exists by the way I think they bought it I think Upwork yeah right yeah yeah like that. and I, yeah, it could and be, I yeah. started making uh, logos and banners for Flash and and it was when Flash was all over the internet yeah yeah I was making banners and I was pretty much working on that for for a year and I was paying the uni. Uh, I remember that one of the things, I, I just had money to go to the uni, take the bus, and if I have to do a long night and take the taxi back to home, I couldn't actually afford lunch. Okay. So I bought peanuts and a green tea, and that was my lunch, because I couldn't <laughs> afford lunch if I wanted to get back home. And I keep going. And for that period of time, I was cheap. And one thing that I noticed when I was hassling and haggling for, for, for biddings with, against every other country and every developed and undeveloped country, I was bidding against India, I was bidding against China, I was bidding against Canada, States, Australia. I was bidding against everyone. It's a solo guy from Costa Rica, just randomly in the middle of San Jose. And it was hard. And there were times that people that charge four times more than me won the projects. Make no sense. Because I was probably as good as them. But they but won. you were cheap. Yeah. But so there were people that didn't hire me because I was cheap. That happens. Because they want Because they think them. that you are too cheap for them. Yeah. And not just that it's too cheap, it's because if you pay that less money, it's, it's unsafe. Quality has to be lower and probably also support is lower, assurance is lower, and, and this, the single customer service will be less. And experience right. sounds lower too. So the moment that you get that into, into, into mind, and you, I, I start developing a little bit more as an artist, I couldn't afford uni anymore. So I have, I'm a dropout from uni. I don't have an actual title. I never finished my uni. I couldn't afford it. So I never finished. You actually haven't finished? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's weird. Uh, but yeah, I never, I never finished my uni. I'm, I finished my, so, well, I haven't finished my education. I kind of, Internet teaches me 
Yeah. And I try to break things till I know them enough. So that's the reason why I do tutorials. But so then you raise your prices. Yes. So I raise my prices when I start doing 3D. Okay. Uh, when I started doing 3D for, for freelancing, I didn't want to work for Costa Rica. I was seeing people that had to pay enough. And Glassdoor said numbers of, of wages. And there were companies paying this amount of money. I remember that my first job in Costa Rica, it was uh, the casino company. And I was 20 years old. They called me and they were, okay, we want you to work for us. And when I arrived and they told me there was a casino company, I was like, what the hell? And when I saw what they were doing, they were these amazing artists, like really old school artists, like 2D, amazing geniuses, old school, like 20 years of experience, amazing drawings, everything by hand. And some of them with 3D experience, some of them were just sketching and things like uh -huh. that. And when they told me, yeah, we want you to work with us. How much do you want to earn by month? And? I had no clue. So you went on Glassdoor? My, my, my mind was saying at the moment, if I change it now to dollars, we'll be like, okay, $600 per month. Oh my God, okay. We're, we're, we're Costa Rica, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is... 10 to, to 12 years ago in okay. Costa Rica rates, that was almost double of the basic salary. Okay. So it's like 40% more than the, the, the basic, like the lower salary. And I was, yeah, I can go by that. They offered me that. It's my first job. I'm 20 years old. I haven't finished my uni and they were giving me time to go to uni. So it was basically a, a three quarters of time. And they were like, okay, we will think about it. Because I told them, okay, I, I have no clue. Can you just make me an offer? Because I have no idea. And it's like this 20 year old that has actually no idea and was just too sincere. Mm -hmm. And it was just too anxious. So he just said it and I just left. And I was like, oh, why, why, why? So I couldn't even sleep that whole night because I didn't receive an actual number. They were like, yeah, we'll get back to you. And the next day I received a mail with the offer and it was a thousand dollars. Oh, wow. And I Congrats. was Congrats. Okay. I could do it by half the amount. So that thing, that specific moment in time, something clicked. It was like, if someone is willing to pay me this amount, because I knew that all my other friends we're winning or earning less on different companies or more renowned. So we were better companies, better on, on, on name and the works were funnier and they have these amazing reels. But I was doing something more artistic with more freedom and I was being paid better. And I had a nine to five job that I could arrive at 12 p.m. I could go to uni and I was like, okay. Amazing. Maybe this, this is different to what I normally think. So there has to be different options. And that <laughs> changed. Uh, that changed a lot, uh, my, my way of thinking. Years later, and discussing with my friends at the company, I worked for that company for seven years. Uh, uh, I ended up earning like 3.5K per, per month. And this was four years ago before I came here. And I left that company to come here mm -hmm. to MPC. And I always did freelance there. But even though I was expensive for Costa Rica, but I wasn't expensive for the actual yeah. international uh, background. Yeah, for normal, normal people. <laughs> yeah. And when I arrived here, it was mind i was absolutely mind blown seeing the rates okay seeing what people earn and and one of the things that actually broke me the most was seeing the gap okay the gap that exists between same jobs same roles there's people that is earning 20k less yeah on the same role and yeah. let's not even dig into how less 
woman is Aaron. Yeah. That is insane. It's, I have seen rates of less than 20, 30% less when girls have more responsibility. And on VFX wise, if you have a, a girl that is a lead and a guy that is a lead, I can probably give my hand that the, that the girl is going to be thousand times better. Interesting. That and is so, so interesting. It's pay less than, than I don't know, it's 30% less. No. It's, it's silly. It's no. silly to see how hard it is for us to beat. Most artists, we go by the dream. We go by the dream of the credits. We go by the dream of having the project. We go by the dream of doing something and seeing it on a big screen and other people to see it. But we don't go by the dream of the big old painting artists of making this amazing artwork. And they die and they sell it by millions. Sadly, we still live by the same rule. We need to live, we need to pay, and we need to pay the rent. Yeah, that's so true. And that that has some issues. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I, on the, on the CG grooming group that we have on Facebook, we have been trying to get the rates. We have been throwing numbers. Uh, lately, I, I made a sheet of freelancers. COVID hit us really hard on groom. So we made a sheet of, of available grooming artists. And the rate that we set for junior artists per day is $250 per day. That will be the minimum rate for, for the freelancers that are there. If they want to be lower when they get contacted, uh, they can do it. It's just basic rate. But normally for what I have seen and for what I charge and the companies are able to afford goes from $250 to $700 per day. Okay. So it's a big gap between, and most companies are going to say, yeah, no, can, we can offer you this. And it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> it, okay. it's just like that's that doesn't cover and it's like okay can we do it by this it's, no you, you have a really really high-end reference so if you want that level i have to be absolutely committed to your work so it has to be that and like yeah. okay let's go by the day it happened to me that one company was trying to lower my price to half and i tell them no they went to do the project the project went wrong. They did an in-house. The project went absolutely wrong. They came back and I was like, yeah, but I, I have a different freelance project. And they actually offered me 50% more than the rate that I was giving them first. Oh my God. So they, they actually had the money. They actually could afford it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't take the job. I already have a different freelance that was running. I was like, yeah, no, I, I sent it to a different friend. But... Mm -hmm. This, this is the part that is, is really hard for us artists is to actually find a good balance. And, and everything in life is trying to find like this balance between how much can I afford to go down? How much can I afford to be expensive? And where is my balance to a proper work life that I don't overwork, I take care of my family, I take care of myself, I have a good time. I cannot work for half a day. I can take a whole week of not doing anything. And I can take a whole month of regrowth, of relearning, of new tendencies, of new tools, because we need that. Yeah. So it just that we, gets we obsolete as well. Yeah. And it's, it's high end. So the problem with BFX and the problem with grooming as a whole is that grooming is a never ending technique. There are yeah. new softwares, new, new industries, new techniques, new everything. So if you yeah. don't keep up, you will die. And for yeah. you to actually keep up, you need to learn. And if you don't charge enough to you to be able to afford learning periods and regrowth periods and time for yourself, you're just going to burn out. Yeah. And that's where you don't even want to leave a, a, a pen and to keep working on it. This is so, so, so interesting. You know, like uh, I really appreciate you bringing up the whole like uh, topic and giving it a very, you know, complex spin um, because mm, it's, it's, really, it's really hard to talk about this 
issues and it's not like a normal topic for conversation, I think. But uh, it's very important to know how much you can charge actually in the industry and how much you should charge. Because, you know, maybe somebody who is like completely disconnected from the community, um, like, and there's, there's like so many people uh, that are completely disconnected, but then they enter the industry with very low rates without even realizing that they're just underpaid on their own by their own choice. People don't understand that for a, a, a high-end advertising studio, a character, let's say an animal, a basic creature with rig mm -hmm. and render it, they can charge up to $200,000. Yeah, that is also very important to understand that, uh, like, as an artist, you do a very high-valued asset, a very high-valued, um, like, work. So it's not like there is no budget. There Actually, there is budget. And uh, you're eventually uh, helping other people sell their products or just literally create this product. So it's just not fair if you're not paid. Like, of course, you should be paid. And it, it, at the end... And again, it's it's a balance. There are companies that you you charge them lower because yeah. you, like you feel close to them, or maybe there's there's friendship there, or you need it, or you want to help, or it's part of a project that you would love to have part on. So you you change your rates. Your, your rates or what you charge depends off yeah. how you feel, how involved you feel. Uh, what type of if it's a charity you're not going to charge a charity and the same amount of yeah. money that you're going to charge for a Super Bowl commercial <laughs> okay yeah no that's sense. a really good comparison that's a great comparison so yeah it, it goes like from the highest and best pay BFX works to what you will do for someone that it's, it's yeah. for helping others so yeah. you can even give your, your work a charity or, or what I do, like I do plenty of tutorials or things like that. It's just, it depends on how you balance uh, yeah. your, your free time and how you balance your time and how much can you afford to, to bend on your, yeah. your rules. Yeah, well, Jesus, I haven't realized that we've been talking for too long. Sorry for yeah. keeping you here. It's been absolutely amazing. I couldn't really, I couldn't even look at the clock, actually. I'm sorry so, to no, that that was great. Um, just to round this whole thing up, we have a little tradition, and I'm gonna pull my list of ten questions. Oh, You're no. allowed to answer really quickly with like a few words. Um, like just like several words, not going to limit to one word, but kind of, you know, like it's a, it's a little tradition that we have here. Ready? Go. Let's see how it goes. All right, let's go. So, um, what's your number one tip for combating distractions when working from home? Embrace them. Amazing. What's your favorite tradition or holiday? Drinking. <laughs> what's your favorite way to get in some exercise? Uh, gaining weight. <laughs> and what's your most used emoji? Oh, that's hard. I have no clue. Maybe the the scary the, the scared face. Scared face. Yeah. Um, what's your source of inspiration? Reading books. Right. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Except you raising prices. You have to learn it to break it. <laughs> okay. Uh, how do you celebrate? Uh, how do you celebrate? Oh my God, this word. I can't read it. How do you celebrate <laughs> little victories? <laughs> uh, how I celebrate little victories? Personal wins type of thing. Should I say drinking? Too much? No, no, can that's okay. Drinking? You can repeat answers. There's no okay, rule like that. <laughs> oh my God, great. Um, so if you could see one movie again for the first time, what movie that would be? Uh, Into the Wild. Oh yes. Oh uh, yeah, that's an amazing movie. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's your backup career? My backup career? Yeah. so hard uh will probably oh it's so so bad it will be probably painter 
Okay, fine. And if you could choose any two famous people to have dinner with, who would you go out with? Oh God, why? That's it. That's it. That's the last one. That's the trickiest one. But that's way. Too they don't much. have to be very famous. Uh, probably Oscar Wilde will be one. Oh yeah, I think he'd be a fun guy to hang out with. Yeah, and Herman Hesse. Okay. <laughs> Always oh, fun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could listen to this conversation. That would be hilarious. Absolutely. Well, that's it. We're done. Great job on nailing the 10 questions. Although you repeated at one answer twice. I'm not yeah, going to remind anyone. Which... It's unfair. Okay. Okay. That's probably a synonymous question. I'll yeah. change it for next time. This <laughs> is thanks so much. Um, I'll drop the links to everything that we mentioned right here in uh, the show notes under the video or in the show notes for the podcast. And uh, I'll give a link to your Patreon. Um, do you have any, like, last question? Is there any tutorial that people should start with on your Patreon? Uh, actually, the free tutorial, the free series uh, that is on YouTube, it will be uh, from zero to action. Okay, that I'll give is, a link to this one. That one is for, for basics, for people that doesn't know anything about action and how to start. So that will be the best, the best case scenario. Amazing. Sounds great. Okay. So thanks again for coming. And uh, yeah, it was absolute pleasure having you. Same. Thanks. Ciao. Bye-bye. I hope you guys found this episode insightful. I personally think that it was actually great. Definitely falls in my top five category. Thanks, Jesus, for sharing all of this. And I'm leaving a bunch of links here in the show notes. Uh, so if you're interested in getting to know Jesus a little bit more, go ahead and check this out. And uh, most importantly, there is a link to Art Hero's website where you can find uh, uh, a transcript of this episode if you want to read that and some key insights as well. Alrighty, guys, I'll see you next week. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Art Heroes Podcast. Check out www.artheroes.co for show notes, more interviews, and free tools made for you by our team of mentors. Tune in next week for more inspiration and keep up the great work, hero.